0: Hello, and welcome to What We Got Right and What We Got Wrong. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined by Tian today. Um, So Tian, I think um, just before we get into some of the nuances of our views, I think it would just be useful to do a quick high level summary of um, our broader calls over the last quarter. Um, And, you know, as we've been saying quite heavily in the reports, uh, our cyclical tools have just kept getting weaker and weaker, and that's justified our risk off stance. Um, But I think what we've done really well is that, you know, we bucketed our leading indicators, you know, liquidity growth and so forth under the cyclical horizon, you know, six to 12 months. Um, And at the same time, we looked quite heavily at some of our tactical tools, which are kind of the one to three month range. And um, I think what we did really well over the last quarter was effectively flagged clients, you know, the bear market squeeze mid-June. That was a good time to, you know, put on some right-tail hedges. Um, And then as we saw some of the tactical tools fade off, kind of mid-August time. Um, that's when we said to clients, you know, this is a really good time to sell equities, sell credit, uh, put on things like put spread collars. And um, I think that's worked out pretty well where, you know, we've had the cyclical having the kind of overrides over our kind of risk off risk on views and then using the tactical to trade around that. Um, so I think that's that's generally been a, a very good thing through our, um, through our reports last quarter um you know looking through some of the other things as well like um our inflation views um you know a lot of people have been calling for this kind of deflationary spiral um you know cpi crashing back down to two percent but um i think you know respecting what goes into our inflation leading indicators it told us that it was more consistent with a a high plateau right Um, and so i think that's worked out quite well and again it kind of puts us in a bit of a muddier picture when it comes to thinking about bonds which we'll get into um and then finally, I think just, um, you know, on commodities as well, kind of links into our um, equities view where cyclically, you know, we haven't had the China early eye upturn. We've seen global liquidity, excess liquidity, BCFI and so forth at extreme lows. Um, it's told us at least this is not a time to get max bullish again on commodities. Um, and then again, just trying to get a bit more cuter about this, where the industrial side is more sensitive to the cyclical inputs, whereas things like energy... Um, where, you know, again, some of the structural um, elements are incredibly positive. So for equity clients, uh, you know, we put in our capital cycle report um, a couple of weeks ago that, you know, for people that can invest on that two to three horizon, energy services look like an incredible uh, time to buy the dip again. Um, And so I think that's, um, you know, again, delineating the different time horizons, you know, tactical, cyclical, structural. Um, I think we've we've done a good job of, of doing that um, over the last quarter, but hasn't quite worked out in fixed income. So I think it'd be good to hear um, you know exactly yeah. kind of what went wrong, what went right, still to a lesser extent in fixed income there. Um,
1: yeah, so I think in terms of scorecard, I think equities and commodities tick tick that was fine. Um, FX is more like a, a neutral, right? The mm. whole point is most of our tools are still favoring a dollar rally, but obviously we just went neutral too early. And then mm-hmm. we just like, what do we do now? Yeah. And we're like, we're mildly bullish. And um, yeah, so, so we can get into that a little bit, mm-hmm. especially linked to kind of this, now we're thinking about does the mundell Fleming framework set us up for, um, for something else. Right. Right? We'll talk about yeah. that later. Mm-hmm. On bonds, I think clearly the core, you know, in terms of thinking that three and a half was gonna be the peak in 10 year yields, that's completely wrong. Mm-hmm. We've obviously blown through. Mm-hmm. However, the, in terms of curve flattening or well, those views, I think that makes sense. Yes. In terms of the Fed hawkish surprising makes sense. Mm-hmm. We probably just underestimated the magnitude in which the curve can just shift up whilst flattening, right? Obviously, we're trying to go for full recession scare the longer it actually, actually uh, just rallies out, right? Mm-hmm. Which was contingent on our, our recession US yes. recession yeah. model, right? So mm-hmm. the way I would, I would explain it a little bit is I think for the past two months, essentially, we've been stuck in this awkward thing where it's a bit like when you're playing poker, you know, you, you know the the flops come and then you made mm. your bets. Now you're waiting for the next card to turn over, right? Right. And we haven't had that new 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 card, mm. which in our case would be, is our recession model going to trigger mm-hmm. or not, for the U.S. And right. instead, since July, it's been stuck in this twenty to forty percent probability of an imminent recession. Mm. It's just super awkward, right? Like, right. if it if it just triggers, we, we can just go mm-hmm. go for like, okay, then you know, the recession scares gonna be real. If it goes back down then maybe we're like hey maybe they do get away with the soft landing mm. and in which case you probably want to buy equities right instead yeah. we're just stuck here right 20 to 40 yeah. percent so i think and i think again it's, yeah. it's kind of
0: unprecedented as well like the yeah. way we build that model is that it's you know just one zero it's binary yeah it's a binary switch. it's a regime you know, shift so, yeah. right it's
1: supposed to jump mm. it's a jump model
0: so yeah. the fact that it can stay there is really unprecedented
1: yeah yeah which probably right. explains to you how awkward an environment is with all the different data mm. not behaving as normal so right, right. So I think that that's that's kind of the, what we're watching for and that's the problem. So mm-hmm. so going back to bonds, I think it might be helpful to revisit the different time horizons we think about in terms of structural, cyclical and tactical. Mm-hmm. So I think at heart, our view on this is a good time to buy duration, buy bonds is, is heavily focused on the six months yes. window where we think we're going to, where we think the growth scare, recession scare is real. And now at the margin, even though we called for the inflation peak from last quarter, and now actually leading indicators of inflation is starting to take down more. Mm-hmm. So it actually more looks like you might actually get a peak becoming visible when we get to Q1 next year. Mm-hmm. So I think if it's get yeah, if it's more shaped like a peak soon, then along with the recession scare, mm-hmm. I think I think cyclically it makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Tactically is is a challenge because this has been such a unprecedented environment in terms of all the talk about you know, poor liquidity in fixed income markets, you know, mm-hmm. maybe the Chinese Japanese selling, or this, you know, market functioning problems. Um, I think it's it's been more important than ever to respect the tactical. Mm-hmm. And so we're still stuck in this awkward thing where our tactical trading model basically is still saying yeah. yields yeah. go higher. Mm-hmm. So you've got a tactical trading model saying yields higher. We have a cyclical view that recession scares ruin is gonna mm-hmm. come off. And then we need to think about the structural picture. Yeah. And the number one question is, are we gonna get a full shift to inflationary regime? Mm-hmm. And then obviously if you go to inflationary regime, it means fixed incomes markets should weight inflation much more than growth. And obviously in the last 20 years, it's been much more of a deflation or disinflation regime where mm-hmm. fixed income markets weight the growth variables more. And that's obviously why we put out that report, stress testing on fair value yeah. models for bonds, taking stuff back like to 70s, you know, fitting different periods and mm-hmm. getting a sense, right? So obviously, the, the you know the, the the key summary is essentially, if you only take trading data, we think ten year fair value is around three point three on both uh, inflation defi- deflation period fit. Obviously, when you trade around three three ninety four percent, that implies one more Fed hawkish surprise yes. in, our, in our mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that's kind of where we are, or potentially just pricing a bit more of a shift to inflation regime. Mm-hmm. If the Fed loses control, obviously we think ten years going to five and a half. And then in a recession, 10 years are going to two. Right? That's right, yeah. So that's kind of the parameters mm-hmm. on, on both the inflation deflationary model mm-hmm. fits. And again, we, we try various different non-linear fits as well. Yeah. So at least that gives us the anchor to play with. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I look at it, I'm a bit like, you know, before that car turns over and you have to make a decision now, um, it, at the margin I think it, it still makes sense to buy bonds right because like the highest conviction view right now is underweight equity mm. and we're overweight cash so like what do you do right you, are you going to sit on cash for everything do you have to hold something and so like if you have to hold something bonds look pretty mispriced I something you can probably go long yeah because you know would you want to hold credit no I think credit is probably the most mispriced compared mm. to where you know in terms of where credit spreads can blow yeah. out to especially right. high yield in terms of just how bad our growth and liquidity indicators look Mm -hmm. so bonds are kind of mispriced relative to the risk off scenario that if you have to hold something i think i think i think you know you hold bonds right Mm -hmm. so i think that's probably um the the overarching kind of thing and just to mention i think it's really important to emphasize the historical context for thinking about the bond market right and we've obviously done two that we've written about one is you know going back looking at all the volcker transcripts Mm -hmm. 70s and early 80s And then the the key takeaway is really Powell's probably going to stick to being more hawkish than people think, because there will be institutional memory at the Fed to not repeat the mistakes of the past. Mm -hmm. And even Volcker himself made a mistake where into 79, he hiked rates after the commodity driven Mm -hmm. inflation. But then when growth started slowing and looked like a recession, he started cutting in 1980 before inflation was under control. Mm -hmm. So then he quickly had to reverse and then yeah. they had to put rates up for 81 and then 82, right? Mm-hmm. So then for that entire 81, 82 period, every single Fed, me and Transcript, is about we need to convince the market we're going to crush the economy, yeah. Yeah. cause a big recession just to get control of inflation. Mm. And all they were watching was long-end yields. Yeah. So I think that's the, the precedent yeah. for today where, you know, if the, if the Fed is pretty determined to crush the economy to get right. control of inflation because they don't want to repeat the mistake, mm. then ultimately, that you know, if there's going to be a big recession coming, that'll probably also ease off on the inflationary pressures, and mm. then and then bonds probably make sense for that cyclical trade, right? right? right and obviously, right. once bonds rally, you probably need to sell it to, to do something else. Mm. Um, so I think ultimately, this long um, bonds or long duration or overweight duration is really about cyclical play on um, moving towards recessions, mm. and the key question really is, what is the weight the market will assign to growth versus inflation? Right, if, right. in terms of what the bar markets were assigned obviously mm-hmm. if it's four seventies, 70s heavier weight to inflation obviously if it's last period heavier weight to growth and that's mm-hmm. what we prove in the report Right, right. stress testing the model mm-hmm. for different periods mm-hmm. and I think right now it's probably we probably should weight them mm-hmm. you know, both somewhat equally Right. right it's right. not p- clear we've clearly shifted right? yes. there's nothing in the market data that says the Fed is losing control they've not said the wrong things mm-hmm. and the inflation at the eyes are actually starting to actually come down now so mm-hmm. that's why overall it kind of still suggest bond um, bond trade makes sense, right? I do think, right. by the way, the last thing to think about is we've got to probably, even though we've been on the flattening view all year, you're probably getting somewhat to the end, right? Mm. I, I know the market's going for like, ultimately if the Fed eases, it will be bull steepening, mm. um, which given this Volcker president is, is not that likely, um, but the bear steepening, you know, Mm -hmm. the situation where the Fed loses control because they hike too early before inflation is fully down, Mm -hmm. that's still a non-zero risk, right? Mm -hmm. Especially given how negative term premium are. Mm -hmm. And especially given some of those uh, market cap relationships we've looked at, right? Term premium basically follows the changes in Mm -hmm bond versus equity market. And that's linked to QT as well, right? Just increasing the net
0: supply. So there's
1: some of those angles where you can see potentially if they lose control, it will steepen a lot. And if you look at 530s, you know, especially one year, two year four, like you're at such inverted levels that it's probably not going to stay here for that long. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you had to bet, you would bet from these levels, especially on a forward basis, those
0: things should be really going up Mm -hmm. um, over time. So I think it's difficult with those two different structural analogies because, you know, in the event the Fed does lose control, It probably is that kind of nineteen eighty scenario where they do cut rates, you know, the market sees that, you know, smashes the long end, Uh, but then eventually you get the reversal and then inflation really starts to get priced in. So you do have a sequencing where the cyclical actually does ring true, bonds rally, but then the structural case dramatically weakens and then that you know, that's the end of the trade for, for, for a long yeah. time. Again, I don't think that's the base case, right?
1: Like, right, right. Yeah, yeah. We've ran our, you know, time warp macro analogy and it found yeah. eighty four. 1984 mm-hmm. is it, as the best work thing, right? We wrote about that in June. Mm-hmm. I think that core roadmap, we still need to remember. Mm-hmm. The key is inflation data needs to peak, not just be anticipated to peak, mm-hmm. right? When you lose, when policymakers lose control as they basically have, you don't get um, the you don't get the free pass to be like, hey, we think it's coming down. Right, you need yeah. to sh- let the data come down. And then once it's down, mm-hmm. they will tell you it's down and then they yeah. will tell you it's peak hawkish policy. Mm-hmm. That was the lesson from 84. Mm-hmm. And I think we're s- clearly that's still playing out today. Yeah, yeah. So, so without that inflation data itself coming off, not just lead indicators, but the data mm-hmm. coming off, you're not in the max bullish bond camp still, right? right? So right, we're still right. stuck in this medium overweight, just because you have to hold something mm-hmm. and equities you don't want to hold on this long-term view, right? Um, So I think asset allocation-wise, we're still in like a full Mm risk-off positioning. Uh, But clearly, this is an environment where the tactical really matters. So you need to find ways of getting cheap convexity. You need to respect our trading tools. Mm -hmm. So obviously, if we get all these buy signals going off in June, position for jaw squeeze. And and today, like all these signals are triggering again. So like maybe we'll get another bear market squeeze, right? But Mm -hmm. the bigger picture remains is incredibly like bad outlooks to
0: So To summarize, um, you know, equities, underweight, not so mispriced anymore. Um, high yield credit, very mispriced, given spreads have a lot of room to widen. You know, and yeah. we still it's, miss it's- someone mispriced, right? This right, still right sure. Down the sure. recession. sure. Um, and then um, fixed income, uh, at least, you know, long daily treasuries, again, mispriced, you know, relative to the kind of the different scenarios we laid out, pretty comfortable out of the bear case. I um, think that's a good case for a sustained rally, but um, I think that that really comes to, down to the dollar. Where, you know, last quarter we um, we had a low conviction view, where you know, gun to your head, we'd be bullish, but a lot of the tactical cyclical didn't really um, scream at us that the dollar was heavily mispriced. So, um, you know, what's what's changed this quarter? Have we changed our views? Um, you know, in terms of the next few months ahead. Um, <laughs> What do we do from here right? yeah
1: so i think we will probably get to a point where you could see a path to a contrarian dollar sell-off mm-hmm. but obviously the the policy response you know from the bank community and potentially the ecb now in the winter is not going to work obviously we laid out that um soros Mandel fleming kind of fx um model right where if monetary policy makers Stick to fighting inflation credibly, mm-hmm. move real rates higher, yeah. whilst there's a fiscal deficit that actually helps support the currency. Mm-hmm. However, as we saw with the Bank of England, like you know, if you don't, if you can't credibly commit to fighting inflation, obviously mm-hmm. now with the you know the intervention and like mm-hmm. the you know, it's it's clearly like there's a miscommunication at the very least, if not just outright, like the market just like you know doesn't think they know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think that that's really. Um, kind of mess with that framework. Yes. Yeah. Now, I don't know if the, the Europeans will see that and learn any lessons, mm-hmm. but it, again, the path of least resistance should be for policymakers to subsidize S&T, right. do fiscal easing, because they need to maintain political support. Mm. But then the question is, do central banks go along with it, which is what causes this EM style lack of credible thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Even the mm-hmm. original report we said, you know, the, the problem will be if they do an EM, EM style capitulation. Right and obviously the bank community has kind of done that mm-hmm. so if the ecb does that then you know if euro and the pound keeps going down and clearly dollar is right. going to be fine right mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it keep grabbing but if the ecb learns that lesson and then they just massively move up real rates because because a huge deep recession that then whilst policymakers keep using fiscal mm-hmm. then actually that would be more analogous to the uh to the kind of soros or, or um, no, Doppelmiller kind Mark, of yeah, yeah. imperial circle kind mm-hmm. of trade, right? But again, it's probably a nice reminder. Maybe at the end of the day, this only works for the Deutsche Mark and the dollar because mm-hmm. the Fed and the Bundesbank are it's just like there's no alternative. Maybe right. the UK just not. It's just like mm-hmm. they don't think you're a real, like legitimate, like you know, like currency and central bank mm-hmm. in the sense that if the Fed does it, like there's no there's no alternative. Right. Or the Fed says matters. Yeah. So I think that those are some of the dynamics. That's playing around a little bit um with it and for its worth like our, our LPPL bubble stuff is all triggered right it's like predicting right. like a massive dollar rally that now world tactically world. Yeah, yeah yeah like yeah. that would be that will be obviously extremely bearish, right? Mm. like that, that LPPL trigger is saying like this is going to crash everything kind of variety mm. right so yeah I think <laughs> it's still hard so again it's the same question right gun to yeah. your head well, you're, you're still probably a buyer dollars, still, mm-hmm. right? Gun to your head, but really,
0: you, do you really want to be that exposed? Like... Well, yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, again, it's still very low conviction, bullish bias. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we'll see what happens with the LPPL signals because, yeah, as you say, that could be very, very dangerous. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good place to, to leave off. Um, yeah. Thank you, Tian, and uh, thank you very much for listening.